Welcome to the sermon podcast for First Christian Church of Warsaw, Indiana. We hope you enjoy this week's message. Please visit us at fccwarsaw.com to learn more about our church or to make plans to be with us on a Sunday morning. Again, that's fccwarsaw.com. I must say it is a tremendous privilege to me to be able to preach to my family. I enjoy the opportunity. I also want to begin with a pledge to you and a promise that this is not another one of those fake sermons that you have been subjected to for the last several weeks. So my question for you to consider for just a moment, what, if offered to you, would you consider to be a great privilege? What, if offered to you, would you consider to be a great privilege? It could be something like meeting a famous person or going somewhere you've never been able to go before, doing something that you've always wanted to do, maybe achieving something that you've had as a goal but never been able to pursue that goal. What would you consider to be a great privilege? I'm sure that given the time to do so, every person here could come up with quite a lengthy list of things that we would consider a great privilege in which to participate. I would consider it a privilege to be able to go on a tour of the land of Israel where Abraham, Joshua, David, and Jesus lived and walked. Another great privilege for me would be to spend one week each with Tony Dungy and Tom Silva. One great privilege I can check off my bucket list is getting into the cockpit of a jet airplane Specifically, a Boeing 737. That was a moment I will never, ever forget. I have a long story, but I have a sermon to preach also. Another bucket list checkoff for me was that I wanted to marry a beautiful, talented, charming, kind, generous, compassionate Christian woman. I get an A-plus on that one. Sometimes, even a seemingly small thing is a really wonderful privilege, like getting an ice cream cone, hearing my wife laugh at something I said or did, going fishing with my son, Ben, or even just the freedom to relax and do nothing if that's how I choose to spend a little bit of my time. It's in this vein of thought that King David leads us to consider a few great privileges that have come into our lives because we are children of God. Now we must remember as we read King David's words that King David was the most powerful man on earth. He was highly respected and he was very wealthy. 
he could have had anything that he desired to have. And yet, he considered these things of which he wrote in today's psalm as being tremendous privileges in his life. How much more so they should be in our lives. So I encourage you to open your Bible to Psalm 19 and follow along as we trek through King David's thoughts. Because in his life, as well as our own, what a great privilege it is to behold the ever-present glory of God. Psalm 19, verses 1 through 6. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of His hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they display knowledge. There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. Their voice goes out into all the earth. Their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens He has pitched a tent for the sun, which is like a bridegroom coming forth from his pavilion, like a champion rejoicing to run his course. It rises at one end of the heavens and makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is hidden from its heat. On the day I wrote this sermon, the sky was full of huge white and gray clouds blowing over our area at a noticeable clip. Have you ever watched the clouds? Have you ever studied them? Have you ever stood in awe of their sheer volume and their majestic design? It would seem to me that the clouds are the freshest, most recent evidence of God's creative powers. I don't suppose there have been ever any two clouds that were exactly alike in shape or volume or color. And the stars and moon that grace our night skies, do you ever stop and think about their placement in the universe? Why do stars seem to twinkle? What keeps them in their assigned places? Will they ever burn out? Why are they out there in the first place? How big must be their creator to make them and sustain them for such a long time? It is as though the words, the glory of God, were written in capital letters across the heavens, drawing our attention to the majesty and the glory of Jehovah God. All around this globe that we call Earth, to every large nation or small, every remote tribe of people, these testimonies of the glory of God are continually visible, and they are speaking a language every human can understand. They reveal obvious truths about the glory, about the majesty, about the power of the God who owns it all. 
these ever-present testimonies of God's glory are seen every day in all nations. No one is exempt from hearing their testimony as their eyes behold them. What a great privilege it is to witness the ever-present glory of God in the created universe in which we live. It is a privilege to see His handiwork in the skies, day and night, in the cycles of nature as seasons change, and in those He created in His own image. What a glorious privilege it is to recognize God's glory all around us, all the time, everywhere. But there is more. What a great privilege it is also to be blessed by God's Word. Verses 7 through 13. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are sure and altogether righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the comb. By them is your servant warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. Then will I be blameless, innocent of great transgression. This is what Psalm 19 is about. The glory of the lawgiver as revealed in his word. Now, I don't want to get hung up on mechanics here, but I do want to show you something that I find to be a very interesting pattern that stands out in verses 7 through 9. Five times... That many, if I count correctly, five times David uses this pattern to give his words a little extra kick. It's to those who are enlightened, it's a great example of a style of Hebrew poetry called synthetic parallelism. First of all, there are five distinct names for the Word of God. He calls it the law, statutes, precepts, commands, and ordinances. All different words to describe the Word of God. On the second level, there are descriptions of each of those. God's law is perfect. His statutes are trustworthy. His precepts are right. His commands are radiant, and His ordinances are sure. And then on a third level, a special blessing or benefit 
is named for each of the facets of God's Word. So God's law that is perfect revives the soul. His statutes that are trustworthy make the simple wise. His precepts, which are right, give joy to the heart. God's commands that are radiant give light to the eyes. And God's ordinances, which are sure, show us righteousness. Now, I want you to think about this for just a moment. If there were one endeavor, one place, one source in this world from which you could receive renewal and refreshment in your relationship with God, plus this source, this, this one place, this one endeavor would also guarantee that you would become wise in all your ways. Plus, if you would create, it would create this, this lasting, irreversible sense of joy in your heart. Plus, this source would give you insight into the meaning of your life and your role in the universe. If there were one place, one source, one endeavor that could give you all those things, would you seek it out? Would you seek it out? There is such a place, and it's called the Word of God. We have, every day of our lives, the great privilege of being able to consult the Word of God and find His counsel for all the variables of life. What a great privilege it is to have God's Word, to know what He says is right and true, and to be blessed by the writings He long ago created for our benefit. God's Word instills in us a reverence for our holy God. It warns us of the dangers of sin. It rewards us when we choose to live holy, righteous lives. It points us toward the grace and forgiveness in which God wants us to live. What a great privilege it is to know and be blessed by God's Word as we live in this temporary abode. Finally, what a great privilege to become pleasing in God's sight. What a great privilege to become pleasing in God's sight. The last verse of Psalm 19. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. 
Psalm 19, verse 14, is one of the greatest prayer verses in the whole Bible. I was fortunate as a young person to have been challenged by Sunday school teachers and those at church camp who were my counselors to memorize this wonderful verse of Scripture. And it has remained in my memory for over half a century. And it continues to be a blessing to me every time I read it or recite it. What a great privilege it is for you, for me, and for every child of God to have the assurance that we have become acceptable, pleasing, in God's sight, pleasing in God's sight. What a blessing it is to have a verse like this that reminds us of our major goal in life. And that is living in such a way that our Heavenly Father is pleased with the condition of our hearts. And so I challenge you to commit this verse of Scripture to memory before the day is over. I know human nature, so I say don't wait till tomorrow, or Wednesday, or Saturday. If you do, it ain't going to get done. Do it today. You can find the time. At half time, or commercial time, or some time. I know you have enough time to memorize this verse of Scripture. Many of you may already know it. Don't wait. Just do it. Do it today and invite the blessings of God into your life as soon as possible. And so I want to help you. I want to ask you to stand right now we're going to have the verse on the screen, and we're going to say it together a couple of times. Everyone say it with me, and we're memorizing this now. And we're not just saying words. We're trying to remember it, okay? Let's do it. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Very good. Again. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And now would you say it with your eyes closed as a prayer? Would you join me that way? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Thank you, Father, for your word, which assures us and strengthens us and promises us the life that you want us to enjoy. Thank you, Father, for your son, Jesus Christ, who came to fulfill all that your word has promised to us. We commit to you, Father, this day our lives that we may be pleasing in your sight. 
In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon from First Christian Church of Warsaw, Indiana. We invite you to join us for worship on an upcoming Sunday morning. Check out our website at FCCWarsaw.com for more details and information. Again, that's FCCWarsaw.com.